Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Bask yourself in glory, Oregon State. You showed up. There was a game, you showed up, and you absolutely drilled the Florida Gators. And I don't care what the circumstances, when you're Oregon State, hang a damn banner. SI's Russ Dillinger. You're not helping the cause right now, Dan. You're, you're gonna get you're gonna get more nasty emails for this. Thanks for your apology, no apology, yes. And SI's Pat Forty. His answers said nothing. I mean, like this was one of the biggest waste of time press conferences I've ever listened to. It's like, he doesn't know what he's getting into. He had no real answers. We, it's like, okay, dude. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. I right, welcome to the pod. Getting into the holiday week. Happy holidays. Christmas coming, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Or if you celebrate nothing, you just worship a winter solstice. <laughs> Go for it. Fine it's too. bowl season around Absolutely. here. Or the Festivus for the rest of us on Friday. There you go. I don't really care. <laughs> the all-inclusive podcast. We build bridges here, Pat. We build That's bridges. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you want to do. Building a community. Whatever you want to do, do it. Uh, bowl season was off. Anyone who said there were too many bowls just didn't have any fun this weekend. There were a lot of fun <laughs> games. The UAB-Miami game off the bat was exciting to the last play. Troy, UAB won. But Miami covered in the Bahamas. The uh, San Antonio uh, Troy game was good. Oregon mm-hmm. State laid a licking on a Florida team that was uh, I've never seen anyone less excited to go to Las Vegas than Florida. <laughs> no kidding. I was <laughs> I mean, how do you know, it's impossible to know what to make of this Florida team because Anthony Richardson play. Backup Kitna got a child porn charge and is arrested off the team terrible and they're playing you know they they don't have a lot of players it wasn't a great team i you know great win for oregon state i hate when sec teams lose and it's just like well they didn't try like no Mm -hmm. man bask yourself in glory oregon state you showed up there was a game you showed up and you absolutely drilled the florida Mm -hmm. gators and i don't care what the circumstances when you're oregon state hang a damn banner Mm -hmm. absolutely no, and they pounded them, as you said. I mean, that, thirty to three. Yeah, that was not close. So good, a great season for Oregon State. Absolutely great season. They they likely will end. I mean, they were fourteenth coming in. They'll probably move up on the year. So you know, maybe they finish twelfth in the rank. I mean, I don't know what they're where that ranks on all time seasons, but it's got to be pretty good. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Jonathan Smith, I mean, you didn't, it's not, it's not like this kind of came out of nowhere, but they put together a good season. I'm looking at his record here. I mean, they were eh, seven and six last year. So I guess they built off of that. They did get better. They, but seven and six. I mean, he's two and ten, five and seven, two and five the first three years. And it's not looking like it's going anywhere. They get to seven and six and then bang, here we go. So really a uh, historic season for what did for, they finish? Uh, what did they finish at nine and four? What did they finish? Ten and three. Ten and three. Ten and three. Wow. Wow. Yep. So that would be that's their best year since um well, two thousand six. They won ten games, they went ten and four. But you really gotta go back for a for a year where they you know, as far as winning percentage, you got to go all the way back to Dennis Erickson in 2000. They went 11 and one in in finished ranked in the top five, won the Fiesta Bowl. Wow, it's so yeah, 20, 22 years. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty uh, amazing. He was, uh, you know, that's that's it's a great season, and you wonder what they can build off of. Does this make them more attractive in the uh, in the portal? Does it help, you know, with a little bit more in recruiting? But really, the portal, you sit there and say, hey, Oregon State's playing good football. Let's go. That's the thing. You can reload really, really quick. They're putting a ton of money into their program, uh, rebuilding their stadium that was really necessary. So a lot of good things in Corvallis. And I don't, like I said, if you 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 drill the Florida Gators, you you enjoy it. I don't care what. You know, Billy Napier's first season, six and seven. So a lot of work still to be done there. Uh, they my, also, my one question I will say quickly about uh, – Florida is just extremely inconsistent effort. And I know they were missing a lot of players, but I'd sure like to see my team show up and try if I were A, Billy Napier, and B, a Florida fan. Mm-hmm. They need to rework the culture, as they say, a little bit there, I think, in terms of maximum effort. I would agree. I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's You just never know what to make of these games. I mean, you can, right. you can make it as a referendum on bad. It was a bad effort. There was not a lot of pride there. There's no question. What does that mean for next year? Just really, really not sure. I will say this: the over the weekend, Ruben Bain committed to uh, Miami. I know he was a a guy Florida was trying to get pretty hard. Florida Florida lost a few recruiting battles to Miami, so the Gators will tell you that it's because um, Miami's paying and they aren't. Who knows? Uh, I still find it almost comical that Florida State finished third in the in, in the recruiting rankings of Miami, Florida, and uh, Florida State. And Florida State's the only program that shows any competency right now. But mm. so, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. how it works. But a lot of head-to-head battles between Miami and Florida, and Miami, the U won most of them. So, you know, we'll see what happens on on uh, Wednesday on National Signing Day. But that, that certainly was uh, something that the – uh, you know, Dan Mullen was kind of fired for not getting players. Hmm. Yep. So, let's. You know, does this again? It's just hard to read off of these things. Anyway, BYU beats SMU by one. Fresno completes this uh, epic run, the huge win over Washington State, twenty nine six. Jeff Tedford's program is rolling. There's another one that you just sit there and say, man, yeah, that they're they're back. Bulldogs are yeah. back. Yeah, that that's super impressive. Jeff Tedford is just an extremely good coach. I mean, you go back and look at his record. He finally he ran out of steam and maybe wore himself out and wore people out at Cal. But he he had Cal in the top five at one point, mm. and then at Fresno, he's had two different tenures there that have been just outstanding. So that dude can absolutely coach. I was looking at like uh, 
I thought I don't know why I thought he was at Fresno State longer. He was only there three years and then hung it up and obviously came out of retirement. But he's had four seasons as Fresno State's coach and hit the ten win mark in three of the four. Just uh, yeah, pretty incredible. Two conference titles to to go with them at uh, at Fresno. So really impressive. And yeah, I you know I always wonder like what exactly happened at Cal because he had them rolling pretty well. You know, in the last year there, they went three and nine. I don't know. You guys might. That was back in 2012. So I don't know exactly what happened. It sounds like, I mean, Pat said something about, you know, wearing out the welcome a little bit. You know, when you're at a place for so long, I guess at some point, either you get tired of them or they get tired of you or both, I guess. Yeah. And that's, yeah, the last three seasons, things were kind of declining, but he had two 10 win seasons at Cal. Not that easy to Mm. do. Mm -mm. And one of them, as I said, in 2004, there was a big controversy about who was getting in the Rose Bowl between them and Texas, and Mac Brown basically lobbied his way in over Aaron Rodgers and yeah. Cal <laughs> in that game. So. That is one of those years and one of those teams that I think we'll look back one day when there's a real playoff and go, boy, I wonder what would have <laughs> happened. Mm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. right? you go, oh, they lost the call. Rah, rah, rah. They, didn't, they didn't deserve it. It's like they had Aaron freaking Rodgers. And Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, they were all right now. You know, like, oh, you want to play. You know what? I think Marshawn came later. Yeah, yeah, I'm wrong. They had J.J. Arrington. J.J. Uh, Arrington. J.J. Arrington. Like, they, yeah. 2,000 yards rushing. But I mean, just, just Rodgers. I mean, they had skill players all over the place, but they literally had one of the – I don't know all time when Aaron Rodgers comes in, but he can't be too far down the list of all time quarterbacks. He certainly won numerous, right. you know, this is Aaron Rodgers. Like you think Aaron Rodgers is going to be scared if he had to go play some team. And that's one of the things like, you don't always know who these guys are and what they become. And yeah. uh, the, the, that old Cal. So yeah, Cal football history. That's good for ratings. Talk that. That's always good. But no, it was inspired <laughs> higher by, by Fresno. Cause they, you know, they Jeff has the the health issue. He, he leaves after 2019. It's not a good season. Kalen DeBoer comes in and second year they're 10 and three. They had the COVID year. They go three and three, and then 10 and three. Great season. He leaves for Washington, and they go back to Tedford. And I think that's mm-hmm. not the easiest move to make. But no. program's in uh, in pretty good shape. And and again, I, I don't think it hurts when you're trying to hit the portal and going, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I was his coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Marshawn Lynch, I coached him. That's in Jake Hayner this year. He said, look what, I mean, Jake Hayner's stats were phenomenal. Yeah. He's great. So. so that was pretty good. We got, uh, let's see, what else? Boise won. Uh, they finish out a, a, a good season uh, against North Texas. Southern Miss beat the uh, the academics, the, the the APR Rice Owls. <laughs> Rice fans were mad at me, by the way. I got some. Oh, were they really? Yeah. First of all, A, there are Rice fans. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and B, they're mad at you. Well, there were a couple. I wouldn't say it was an onslaught, but <laughs> when you uh, make any light of the academic success, <laughs> I don't think they'd care if I was just like, yeah, the team's not that good. But when I made fun of them for winning the APR, <laughs> there's a couple passionate Rice fans. So well, they they need to understand where you who you are, where you come from here. I mean, like you would much rather cheer for like. Tark UNLV than Rice for ac- good academics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, good for you guys. I hope you all become, you know, doctors and, and work at the Houston <laughs> Medical Center and all that. But 
you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're not helping. You're not helping the cause right now, Dan. You're, you're gonna get. You're gonna get more nasty emails for this. Thanks for your apology. No apology. Yes. Yeah. By the way, the Southern Southern Miss. Uh, uh, as y'all know, we talked about off air. I'm at Rick Cleveland's house, columnist and longtime columnist in Mississippi, and Southern Miss grad from around Hattiesburg. And we were talking last night about the the Golden Eagles and Frank Gore Jr., who's kind of going. A little bit under the mm-hmm. radar, and uh, man, he put, I think he had two over two hundred yards in the bowl game and finished the season. Oh no, 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 no! Hold on, let me give you a stat, Frank Gore Jr. Uh, all right, because if we were giving out small sample, twenty-one carries, three twenty-nine. What? Wow. Yeah, well, I don't I want to just that. go over two hundred. Oh, wow. I don't mean to be like you wow. know. Wow, no, a jerk. no, I didn't realize yeah. it was that much. Three twenty-nine wow. and two touchdowns. He also threw the ball, Damn. and not just once on a gimmick, two for three passing. Wow. <laughs> really? For 19 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he's high they school They must have been wildcatting him, huh? Yeah. 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 That wow. Frank Gore Jr., Frank Gore Sr. was, oh my Lord. Frank Gore <laughs> Jr. is not uh, anything to, uh, to cry about. And I imagine he also uh, had like half of the power five uh, direct oh, yeah. messaging him. Yeah, direct. Right. <laughs> so we'll see right. if he sticks right. around to Southern. Yeah, he ended up finishing over six yards of carry on the season, 1,382 mm-hmm. yards. Um Really, uh, really impressive. Nine touchdowns, and yeah. he actually, yeah, he threw the ball fifteen times this year. He was eight for fifteen <laughs> for one hundred and ninety-one yards and four touchdowns. Right, there you go. How about that? Texas A&M could have used him as quarterback. <laughs> they really could have. <laughs> Interesting. I, does he go back to Miami? I don't know. Like, hmm. it seemed like a pretty. I think a lot of people would like him. Yeah, a lot of people, but I mean, he's from Miami. His dad is Miami. I mean, it seems like, geez, I don't know. Might have looked good at the uh, at the U, but uh, that's past mistakes. This kid can play. There was a bunch of them. Louisville also finally beat uh, Cincinnati and Fenway. They had Dion Branch coaching. They didn't really have any coaches. There was, I mean, <laughs> <it> was <laughs> run of the great. That game, <laughs> it was, that was like, who is going to make, chicken salad out of chicken you know what in that game because both both teams interim coaches like the whole staffs have departed and yeah Dion branch who is not a coach he was the director of player development who i think was basically just in charge of being Dion branch and saying hey i was in the nfl i've got a lot of wisdom i'll tell you how to act right you know but he stands steps in as the head coach they win and, and um it's Cincinnati, like, they they look like they had just practiced, like, for the first time together, like, three days before the game. I mean, it was they were a complete mess. That was so, a bad game. That was a yeah. bad game. Yeah, D, they're calling up plays, like, you know, run down to third base, cut left, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was so bad for Cincinnati that late in the fourth quarter, they're down, like, 24-7. to seven. They literally quit trying. They just ran the ball three times and punted. Didn't use their timeouts. It was like, we're, we're done here. We are done. Run to the pesky pole. I'll get you halfway. <laughs> this was great PR by Louisville is putting Dion Branch as the head coach because the game was yeah. in Boston. So yeah. the media in Boston gave so much attention to if you're true. If you, one of the auxiliary benefits of these bowl games, right, is like publicity, right? Yeah. Well, right. everyone in Boston is like, Dion Branch is coach and Patriot mm-hmm. legend. And so everyone's mm-hmm. like, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville. I mean, I don't know what that yields. More Boston recruits doesn't maybe help a yeah. lot. But I don't know. It was like everyone was like, wow, this is awesome. We love Dion. So yeah. he had the home 
the home people in Boston as excited as they were going to get for the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I can't remember a like a non-countable coach being elevated to interim coach. I mean, I, I'm I you would think it's no. happened at some point, but I can't remember it happening. No, it reminds I mean, me of other, Alvarez you know, getting Alvarez and Bob Stoops. There you yeah, go. Stoops coached there you the go. game. Yeah. Yep. Some yep. of those, like, but, yeah, just. Yeah, nine days before the game, Josh heard the athletic director said, we'll figure out who's going to call plays later. Like, they had no idea. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good time. All right, my favorite game of the day, the one I watched the most, was the Celebration Bowl between the the uh, MEAC champ and the Southwest Athletic champ. And that was uh, North Carolina Central defeated uh, Coach Prime's Jackson State uh, team in overtime. It was a really exciting game. Back and forth, Jackson State tied it to force overtime on the the last play and the uh, and a Shador Sanders pass to uh, Travis Hunter in the end zone. Just a thing of beauty. Huck it up and let let Travis Hunter be Travis Hunter. Whoever ranked him number one recruit was correct. That kid mm. can. <laughs> oh man, he was. There was a great line in the game. I can't remember who was broadcasting. He got out there. They're running him, and they go, it's going to him. They don't use him as a decoy when he's yeah. on offense. And sure enough, it's like, <laughs> hell no. Maybe he played but his right. last down, I think, probably in here in Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, there's a video emerged of uh, Prime on some kind of – Yeah, I have no idea where these Coach Prime videos come from. It was like a <laughs> FaceTime with some people. From – from uh, his in-house uh, video yeah, production I'm convinced team. his whole yeah. life is fake. I mean, he goes to the bathroom. I think there's a documentary crew, <laughs> all, you know, filming him on the toilet. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's cameras everywhere following him. And it's it's interesting because a lot of, like, like us media didn't get great access to him. And I think we all know why, because he has his own media. He has a, he doesn't need us, and that that was a that was a um, issue at Jackson State. I wonder if they're going to be any more open at Colorado, but he does. He has his own media. I'm, I'm just there everywhere, man. I don't think anyone at Colorado has the power to push back on Coach Prime. Yeah. No. And yeah. then it's like, what were you, you saying, Dan? I, like, was there a... Oh, was well, there so he announced, of... he made a line where he started oh. laughing. It was like he was taking questions. I, again, I don't know what this was, but he's like, y'all crazy. Uh, where do you think Travis is going to decide? Yeah. I can't even believe you people, right? He's just like laughing about it. Uh, I mean, how about this? Shador Sanders started for Jackson State Five days after being announced as the starter for Colorado yeah. next season. Yeah. Like that's yeah. Yeah. Unprecedented. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it was <laughs> a new era we're in. It's a, yep. <laughs> just like whatever. But they didn't win. North Carolina Central no. won. It was a really, really good game. I did anyone else watch and I mean, I don't know what the heck you gleam out of out of this. Like I'm not gonna sit there and be like, well, Coach Prime's uh this uh, this looks like a a, a you know, this offense will work or whatever. They certainly had a couple of good players, but for the most part, Jackson State, there was some time management issues, clock management maybe at the end, but they basically just looked like a regular football team, like a good team. Like I didn't see anything. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't see any of it. I was at a wedding in uh, in Chicago, and so I, I'm, I, I will defer to you gentlemen. Yeah, well, did you no, watch it same. all, Ross? No, I, 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 I okay, did, good. I did good not. Talk. I saw clips, talk. but yeah, good talk. <laughs> Great talk. <laughs> yes, yes. I saw more. No, let me tell you. I saw more stuff before Mookie and after Collier. the game from Prime's video stuff than I saw yeah. of clips of the game. Yeah, like he oh, gave yeah, the pregame speech. He gave the postgame speech as a player who dropped a touchdown. I saw all that, but not the game. <laughs> the game was good. 
North Carolina Central was really good. They got a kid, Mookie Collier. That's a that's a that's a power five player. Like there were some good players on the field, and it was just an exciting game. So I don't know. I, I like the celebration bowl. What the heck? And yeah. Coach Prime is like the best as he finished. He's like like some of his uh, videos he puts out, he's like, all right, play my theme music. Or what is it? Because of the theme music? Or like, <laughs> it's just, he's got a theme song. Yeah, yeah it's a theme. What, what is it? What is it? What's his interest song? Is it the same every time? Hey, Ross, can you look it up and play it? Just type in Coach Prime theme song, theme music. You mean Sean? Sean, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, you what want me to say? play? Not Ross. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all Sean, right. like, just, it's on I YouTube. See it though, yeah. It's, yeah, I see it. It's on YouTube. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Coach Prime unveils new theme song for 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I see one. <laughs> I see one video that says, give me my theme. All right. You want to play it? Just count it and play it. And we'll listen to like a few seconds. All right. Three, two, one. This is our new theme song. Theme song of... The season. <laughs> now give me my theme music. Yeah. Oh, the video's great. I mean, oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> Fantastic. What? Yeah. What? All right, that's good. It's Travis Hunter dancing. All right, I mean, people want to know why he's playing a different game. I don't know whether yeah. that game's going to work at the Pac-12, but it is a different game. Right. Hasn't worked in the Celebration Bowl. He's 0-2 in the Celebration Bowl. Yes. But. Miak. Okay. But, hey, it is a complete blast of different energy. Yeah. From yeah. anything we've seen at the Power 5 level. So, Did, uh, fascinating. You know what, what we, we talked about, like, everywhere he goes, you know, him having TV cameras. And, the, you know, that includes, obviously, the locker room. So we, we've gotten a peek behind, uh, you know, something that we don't get in the media, in the public a whole lot, right, is, like, the locker room speeches and, and things that happen in the locker room that's always treated so privately uh, and guarded so much. And he's, like, let everybody in the locker room, which has really been interesting. And it's part of this whole, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to do things my way, you know. And it's – it's um. It's interesting. Uh, did did um did them losing cost them the the like mythical black college national championship? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Not right, mythical. Right? Okay. Not mythical. Right. Yeah. Central yeah. wins. Yeah, right. Yeah. Each, okay. each conference puts their champion in the celebration bowl, and winner is is deemed the national champ. I, mean, I guess it used to be mythical. It's when as good I, of a playoff as uh, Jackson State way back in the day. Have. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Two years in a row. Yeah. So mm -hmm. never quite wow. got that done, but um, whatever, got me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have ne you would have never probably watched that, right? Had had Deion Sanders not been I coaching mean, in that game, would you have? I, Come on, if I was watching TV and looking around, and there was a close game at the end, I might. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna. I didn't watch every down. I'm not gonna yeah. lie and be like, yeah, I was really intrigued at this. It was just a good game. Like it was just they were back and forth, and yeah. there was again there's. I, here's the other thing about the portal, and I know this is what part of what drives everyone crazy, but I'm sitting there like kind of watching for it's almost like watching a high school all star game, like yeah, except right. this was a oh, real yeah. game, yeah, right. Like those army all American games are freaking awful, right? Yeah, yeah, 
terrible. Yeah, they, As all, they should yeah. be. Don't get hurt in this dumb thing. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you're kind of like, hey, oh, that kid's going to, you know, Tennessee next year. You know, I mean, whatever it is. And so you're kind of watching right. and you're like, all right, Travis Hunter's legit. And, and, you know, Shador Sanders. I mean, I don't know. You're playing in in yeah. in the celebration bowl. It's not going up against. But then again, I've seen Pac-12 defenses. I mean, yeah. he was, I think he was like, at one point he was 20 at 24. I mean, he's he's. So I don't know. And then again, uh, the Mookie kid, there was a bunch of kids that were just like, all right, that kid's good. Man, that mm-hmm. kid's good. I bet he's going somewhere. I, I, I'm still, you know, I, I've never, I've, I've supported the portal because I just think, you know, I, I would have been fine if they made him sit out. They didn't. They made a decision not to sit them out uh, so kids can just move all over the place. I don't believe either way it's a some disaster for college sports, I've ne- obviously. And in some ways, I just think it's like, I don't know, it just makes hope spring really, really quick at all these schools. And it's kind of an exciting time for for a lot of people. Like, you know, like Nebraska gets Jeff Sims out of Georgia Tech. All of a sudden, they got their QB. And then Georgia Tech gets Hudson Carr from Texas. Maybe he goes there. Like, you think about the Bo Nix situation where he's like struggling at Auburn. He goes to Oregon and all of a sudden he's really good Mm or or Jaden Daniels at LSU, like the second life for some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's Michael spring. Penix. Michael Gosh. Penix, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Bo Nix coming back another year. I don't know. It's yeah. sort of like this. I, I don't know that doesn't create a lot more excitement than, than I mean, I've never thought there was going to be a, uh, some deathly negative about this, but I, I, it's kind of exciting, right? Well, not only exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of, I think it's brought a little more parity because these quarterbacks, um, uh, you know, aren't like sitting the bench. They're starting somewhere else. You know, they can they have free movement. So I think it's created quite a bit of parity. You talk about like um, a good example is like the Alabama LSU game, right? Like Jaden Daniels, without Jaden Daniels, they don't probably don't win that game against Alabama. And it, it's just one example, but we've seen that all season. Yeah. And the other thing that I think amps it up more is, is these guys are more proven commodities to the casual fans. You know, I mean, mm. Kids that are coming out of high school, A, are younger, and B, just haven't been seen that much. And so it's like, well, I've heard that kid is good, but I don't know. But if you've seen Michael Penix play when he was playing really well, you're like, oh, my gosh, that kid can really play. That's a great addition for Washington. And then, you know, Bo Nix and then so on and so forth. That So it for fans, this is like recruiting with less speculation and fans already loves love recruiting so this is just one more element to it now again the timing of it all is bad and we're dealing with that this week with signing day but uh just the 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 amount of flux that happens in december is ridiculous but that's the way the sport is right now so and i I think you you maintain your high school hype like hudson card really didn't do anything in texas that makes you think He's going to be great, but like Georgia Tech fans are like, man, that guy was ranked like 50th in the country. Like, hey, you know, right? Just kind of gives some pop. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. 
to hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. So I did write about the, you know, I've discussed the calendar before on the pod and gotten some reaction. I wrote a column about this moving, they need to move signing day. And I actually was impressed. So, you know, just to recap, look, you can't change the transfer portal. It's here. So you can complain about it, but it's here. The kids have to transfer before the start of the second semester. Basically, most of them are going to want to. And I think that's the healthiest situation for everyone. So you're going to have this, this wild player transfer market, basically free agency occur in December and early January. And I don't know how you change that. And I don't think it's ever realistic to, you can't, I don't think it's legal to sit there and say coaches can't change jobs until some date. Like I, that doesn't, that's not going to fly. Right. Yeah. So those two, you know, one of our issues is they're, they're doing the free agency, the portal, they're doing the coaching carousel and they're doing basically postseason football all at the exact same time, which makes no sense. The NFL mm-hmm. spreads the whole thing out and it works great. The NBA, right? So the NFL does free agency, then the draft. The NBA does the draft and then free agency. You know, this have a little different. But either way, it's spread out and you've got a better idea what you're constructing. College football does it all at once. So my theory is the one thing you can move is signing day. You move it to, say, February 15th. You let all these transfers find their spot. And then you can, at least kids who are signing a, a letter of intent on Wednesday, have some better idea of what their roster is going to look like, who's coaching them, maybe get a chance. I mean, I wrote about a kid in Detroit who is a really nice player, but he's got a bunch of Division One schools saying, yeah, we really like you, but we don't know what our roster looks like. Is my running back going to leave? Mm. Talking, you know, Mac, a, you know, American. I got a running back. If he stays, I don't necessarily need you next year. If he leaves, I do. But then again, if some kid from wherever Purdue or Louisville decides to transfer down, I could get him. So like the coaches are stuck. They don't know what to do. And there's just a lot of uncertainty. So that's my theory to move it. I was actually impressed with the number of, of really influential people who reached out saying we need to do this. Not that I invented the idea, but just agreeing with the concept that I, you know, hopefully we can come up with something. Now, the only thing would be early signings or early enrollees, like, Arch Manning's going to going to go to Texas in January. You don't have to sign a letter of intent; just enroll in January, right? Mm. So, yeah. and no one's yeah. flipping Arch Manning anyway. Those guys don't flip the early enrollees. So, I don't know. I I think it makes sense, obviously. And I don't know if there's other parts to this. We also lose the excitement of signing day, right? Yeah, that's when that's when we've really been stripped. You know, we used to be this build all the way through the holidays and through January and there, you know, the crunch time of, uh, official visits uh, in January used to be huge. Those last two or three official visits and you lead up to the signing day. And we don't have that at all anymore. I believe around 80 per 80 to 85% of, um, of school or of classes are signed in the early period, uh, FBS. I think it's like 80% or something. So we do, we've kind of lost a lot of, a lot of the uh, drama of the uh, original signing day. You know, this has been a topic with administrators for a while um, about the calendar and how to fix the calendar. And, you know, the right now the CFP because of expansion is doing like a, a whole exploration on 
redoing the calendar and I got a hold of the kind of the working document a couple months ago. And unfortunately, Dan, it, it, you know, there's no, there's no plans. I don't think to move, move the signing day or at least in the, in the calendar. I, you know, it's funny. You talk about like eliminating early signing period. I think there are a couple options thrown out there by various parties, ADs, coaches, and one of them was move it up to July. Another one was move it back to January or eliminate all together. Those seem to be like the three options uh, or stay the same. And at least in the calendars I've seen, it's, it's all going to stay the same. So, you know, the, the high level coaches, it seemed like, and the power five wanted this, they argued for it partly because, uh, you know, I guess late steal, right? Late, late stealing of prospects of commits, but it, it really just, as you mentioned it, it just, all these things are going on at the same time. And it's just such a chaotic period of bowl prep, coaching change cycle, the, the portal now open, uh, and then you, you lop on signing day on top of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, I mean, there's the, you can, you talk to coaches right now, how frazzled they are, how completely, you know, like going 18 different directions at once. And if you, if you went to them and said, if you take this one piece out here, move it two months later, it might make your life simpler. A little like, bit. Well, but this is the way it is. And it's like, that's just so often the college sports answer. Well, this is the way it is. And we just deal with it, even though it sucks. It just, it boggles my mind that they, they can't find solutions to things that seem pretty evidently in need of a fix. And Dan, to your point, just the, I mean, I don't think it's good for the players. I don't think it's good for the coaches. And I, it, from our standpoint, I'll just say it. Yeah, it's not good from a media standpoint and a detention yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Kids all want their big signing day. Well, guess what? We're just like, oh, gosh, it's Wednesday in December. You know what? We got 13 other things to do, and it's Christmas week. And, well, hope you pick the right hat, son. Good luck. You know, I mean, if, if it was February, we'd make a much bigger deal out of it. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, and how about playoff expansion when it arrives? So we're going to be playing yeah, no, first-round games unbelievable. this week. It's yeah. going to be first-round <laughs> games this week. So then you lop on on top of that. Well, and yeah, it's and it's look, we're selfish, right? We'd rather have stuff to write mm -hmm. about. But the reason we want to write about it is because fans want to read about it. Yeah, right. Like we don't write stuff that fans don't read about. And so as a promotional aspect for a sport, this is why the NFL does what it does. Mm -hmm. And it sits there and says, oh, we're going to have the combine in February after two weeks after the Super Bowl combine. We control the Oh, then we got free agency. Then we got the draft. We run up that and we control the narrative, you know, and then we'll have schedule release. They do everything to control the whole year. And college football is like, yeah, no, we don't want to do that. College football spends way too much time because they're administrators of all sports comparing themselves to other sports instead of how the NFL does yeah. something. That's so right. like basketball's yeah. got an early signing period. It's like it's a different sport. Right. Yeah. It's a right. different and it, sport. And that's the problem. They're not treating it differently. In you know, they're not treating it differently because just historically under the whole, you know, broad base and the NCA model and everything. But that's the that's a big argument right now. I mean, that's one of the big arguments is we we need to start treating football differently from a, a calendar perspective and rules perspective, compensation, athlete compensation perspective, all that. Like it, it probably does need to be treated differently and it probably doesn't necessarily, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, but the stress on the tethering of, 
college, you know, academics with big time foot, college football. And there's just, there's such a stress with that tethering of those two things and just feels like it's going to pop here soon. I'll give you a couple of things on why this is, doesn't work. So I do think to your point, Ross, they listen to the high end coaches, the high end coaches yeah. have too big of a voice in this. And yes. it's not that I don't respect Nick Saban and I'm not even sure his opinion on this, but let's just say Nick Saban likes the status quo or uh, certainly respect his opinion, but he is not the norm and his players are not the norm. So he might sit there and say, look, I, the initial thing was, I want these guys signed so I don't have to babysit them in January. It makes right. my life easier. Okay, great. It no longer is your life easier. No. Okay, so th that argument doesn't even work. And wait till you have to prepare for a playoff game in the middle. And, and how about this? Kids are transferring, right? So the, the transfer portal. Every coach hates that there's so much, so many kids in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. First off, I think it was, I think the athletic did the number or somebody did the number. It's like 68% of the kids last year in the transfer portal moved from a level up to down. They weren't yeah. looking for greener pastures. Yeah. They were looking for playing time or they right. were over recruited. They were misevaluated, mm -hmm. right? Or, or they were under evaluated. And they're like, look, man, I, I'm Frank Gore and I just, absolutely destroyed everyone at this level. Maybe I should have been power five all along. And now I yeah. get my chance. What do you want to book? You want, you want to hate on Frank Gore jr. For that. If he even does that, I don't even know what he's doing. Right. But dude, you just did 326 yards and three TDs. You threw, you know, go ahead, go for it. I don't have any problem with any of that, but, but also if you have to recruit, I saw, I saw a Sam Pittman quote and he was just talking generally they tried to visit all 23 of their commitments in December. They lost, I think, they lost like 15, 19 kids in the portal. Like how much, how many of those kids could stay in the portal if you're in your office mm. the weeks after the season and say, come in and meet with me? Right, right. Right, and that's instead they, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yep. And that's what they put in that dead yeah. period, that new dead period, but it's only like three days you know, it's like three days and you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, like, between the end of the championship yeah. games and right. portal opening. Right. Yeah. It's only just a few days and it, it probably should be more. You know, one other thing while they, now that I'm, we're talking about this, my memory coming back to me about why they, you know, instituted the early signing period. And it was obviously was the, the kind of the, the big voices of coaches. But I remember also, you know, that, that players wanted to sign. So they when they were coming when they were ready they wanted to sign so I know there was a there was probably a pretty loud voice from parents and stuff to do it too because they just wanted to sign and kind of get it over with I guess so to speak but like you know if we're gonna do that then you know move it to July or something when it's when it's uh, a quieter time I don't know I mean that's like they're like well there's two uh, it's just end this circus man no one's getting through to right. Arch Manning right now if no. you're committed <laughs> and you don't return the text. It's, yeah i mean come on if you're really committed uh, it's not a problem yeah, that's the thing yeah i mean you can the players can control their their recruitment all right and so i i understand that yes okay you're tired of being bombarded whatsoever whatever i mean you can control that to a degree and i would also say okay december 20th versus february 6th i'm sorry wait six more weeks seven more weeks and and then sign your letter the other thing, my problem with a July period, the younger you get, the less informed your decisions are, okay? And so if you're taking your visits during your junior year and making your decision 
the spring or the summer between your junior and senior year, and a lot of commitments are made then, and they hold up. But there's also fewer and fewer informed yeah. decisions because people they don't know what they want. I know this from my own kids who hosted recruits, and as they got on campus earlier and younger, they were like. They didn't even know what college was, really. They didn't know what they were talking about. You know, you try to talk to them, what classes would you like to take? They had no idea. So, you know, earlier, while, yes, it may alleviate some stress, you may also be making more bad decisions or uninformed decisions, at least. I, I even see the danger in the regular regular student, non-athlete, the early yeah. decision. So they have this yeah. system where the early decision. So you apply to a school and you are com- you are locked in. The other schools will not take you. You're not even allowed to apply. To You have to, like, send your application. Mm. So let's say you want to go to, let's say, you, you know, whatever. You, you're, if your family always went to Vanderbilt and you just want to go to Vanderbilt and I'm a legacy at Vanderbilt and Ever- Vanderbilt and you supply early decision and you get in, you're locked in. Okay, it works for certain kids. But lots of kids will try to do it because they let in a little bit. They're, they're trying to get a yield rate, these schools. And so they want kids that really want to come. They're trying to lock up kids the same way college football yeah. is. And so so people are enticed to say, I'm going to gamble on going to this school, even though maybe that really wasn't the best place for me, or I would have got more financial aid here, or I just went halfway across the country. But early in my senior year or my junior year, I thought I saw the U.S. News and World Report ranking or whatever it is. You're much better off if they could have all the kids. And look, this is not a big problem, right? But you'd be better off if at the end you're going, hey, this is actually the best move for me. And at this age, the difference between seven months is a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, your high school, it's like, I, and you might've been told your whole life, you need to go to Vanderbilt. You might be sitting there going, you know what? I just wanted to go to Ohio State. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm from Columbus. All my friends are going there. I fit in better there. I'm not my mom and dad or whatever. So you have this immense pressure on this thing. My other thing with these guys, the head coaches, why I think they could look bigger picture is the more mistakes you make, you're just feeding the next generation of the portal. Yeah, right. So the portal will get worse because you're grabbing guys that you actually don't need because you just added. So, and so it just is going to keep going and going and going but it's a very different world the covid is a big thing these yeah. guys playing six seven eight mm-hmm. years 25 year olds yeah. playing college football it, it, right now there is a lot of really good players that are going to end up in d2 and yeah. and and the right. and, and fcs and and group of five who should have been in power five but they came on late in their season mm-hmm. they had a great senior year it's almost like there's like a a proving ground and then you're going to bounce in and play those last couple of years, which I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a different thing. Like, are you better off saying, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go be an FCS star somewhere for two years. And it, maybe it's a little less taxing on my body as an 18 year old than sitting on the bench somewhere. And then I'm going to jump and go play powerful. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's a better route, but you certainly it's going to make the portal matter. Yeah. How about our ninth-year eligibility guy, Cam McCormick, the tight end at uh, Oregon, was granted a ninth year hmm. of eligibility. He said he's he's doubtful he will use it, <laughs> but, I mean, he'll be like 37 <laughs> at that point. He'll have grandchildren, but... Uh, a no, Will Ferrell movie. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Will Ferrell movie. Will Ferrell gets to USC finally in his ninth year. Yeah, he's not going to use it? He said it is doubtful because the, the, the years it's been granted is for 24. So 
He still hadn't decided if he wants to play in 23, which would be his eighth year, but he's been granted a ninth year just in case. <laughs> How many degrees does this guy have? Uh, hopefully a lot. I mean, you might be like that. I, I'm sure we all know guys, you know, that 10 years after we left school or 12 years or 15, there's one guy that you went to school with who's still like living there and still, you know, like works <laughs> around campus. And, you know, that's the, the career college town guy. That's Cam McCormick, potentially. College is the best decade of my life. Cam yeah. McCormick. <laughs> he never transferred, right? I don't think so. Like he's been at, yeah. He's been at Oregon all that time. <laughs> That's a, that is a yeah, duck. He, yeah. That's a loyal He should duck. have, be a tenured professor. Is he anti-tenured? Yes. Yeah, the anti yes. They're like, please hit the portal, kid. We, uh, you're still not that good. Uh, anyway, whatever. All right. So we're 40 something minutes into this and we're going to let, we're going to discuss the NCAA got a new president, which oh yeah, I think oh, yeah. I think Pat said in the pre-show shows how little this matters. Charlie Baker, yeah. the former governor of or outgoing governor of Massachusetts, <laughs> will be the the next NCAA president. They they hyped up his his uh, former athlete experience. He played basketball. I think it was basketball at Harvard. Not sure what that yeah. relates to the modern thing. Someone's got to do the job. I, it's really a pinata job, and I feel like a politician's perfect for it because they're like they're used to half the people screaming at him anyway. So, <laughs> any thoughts on Charlie Baker, Governor Baker, taking over as the NCA president? Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think it was uh, the how little it matters is why it matters. You know that yeah. uh, it, it's just a referendum on how useless the NCAA president is, as as Dan mentioned, being like a well paid pinata and putting a face on the association and getting up there at the final four and at the NCAA convention and trying to articulate some sort of plan or vision, which is largely outside of your control. The, you know, the reality is the, the, the power five commissioners are the more, more important people in terms of what actually happens these days. So that's more where the power rests. But I do think a couple of interesting things here about the higher one it continues the trend of going away from campus leadership. It's like university presidents, ADs, you're the ones that got us into this mess. We're not counting on you to get us out of it. Because if you look now at the Power Five conference leadership, we only have two commissioners who are campus guys, Greg Sankey at the SEC and Jim Phillips at the ACC. The other three had no real college background. Charlie Baker, no real college background. And I just think there's a real imperative to find different ideas and different uh, mindsets to get some of these things accomplished. One of which is a political solution to NIL transfer, blah, 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 that everybody complains about all the time. And so get a politician who's going to deal with the politicians who you hope will bail you out in terms of coming up with a legislated solution or legislated idea to how to handle some of these issues in college sports yeah it, they uh i think they had their their sights set on on getting somebody politically connected uh, in that world to uh maneuver around dc and in the the lawmakers it seems like that was uh, goal number one in the search they, they talked to a couple of other former governors uh including one of indiana mitch daniels i think was somebody they discussed things with so uh, Purdue president Anthony. now, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Outgoing. Yeah. 
um, Anthony Gonzalez, even, you know, former congressman from Ohio. So there was a lot of political um, Ohio State player. folks yeah. in, uh, yep, mm -hmm. in the mix there. And I think it was all a goal, you know, that, that, that that's what they wanted to get. It's been interesting, the reaction, because <laughs> the reaction, there there hasn't been a lot of reaction, it felt like, not a lot of big, strong reaction on either side. I think it part of that is probably because, you know, we don't really know how much it matters. And like Pat said, the the um, Power Five commissioners are probably have much more of an authoritative role than, than the NCAA president. I mean, during the NCAA, during his, um, Governor Baker's press conference introducing him, one of the questions from one of the media members, I think it maybe was Ralph Ruf, Russo, the AP, was what is your job? Like, what is this job? <laughs> we don't really know. Like, we don't we don't know what the what the job is. Another one of the questions was, "Why the hell would you take this job?" You know, <laughs> like yeah. um, so. It, that just gives yeah. you an idea of, of what the situation what the situation is right now uh, for him. And I, I think there's probably two main issues that he needs to tackle first. You know, number one is NIL, trying to get some college athlete bill push through in, in Congress. I I do think they're starting to become uh, there's a lot of a lot of lawmakers starting to become more knowledgeable on the, the issue. Certainly a lot more than were was understood the issue two years ago. So I think there is a little movement, you know, uh, for a college athlete bill of some sort to, to get pushed through. And then the second thing I think for him is FBS governance, which again might not involve him as much as the Power Five commissioners, but but the FBS governance and, and how FBS is going to be structured, you know, the transformation committee is going to end up having recommendations. And, you know, it actually circles back, Dan, to what we talked about earlier about how football is different and should be treated different. And I think you're going to see the recommendations from the transformation committee on FBS governance is to have each sport more controlling their sport individually with an oversight committee of their own, like we have for football actually already. Uh, I think you're going to see that, the more of that. But those are the two issues. You know, FBS governance, some kind of NIL congressional congressional bill. Yeah, I feel like the commissioners in the courts, and not in that order, are going to determine yeah. a lot of this uh, yep. going forward. Yep. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's, that's great. Yeah. Why uh, Why did you take this job? You seem like an industrious yeah. <laughs> man. You went to Harvard and yes. governor. And yes. Well, like and, you and could it, do something it, else. Well, yeah. And the funny thing was, like, all right, so Ross did identify that, like, the, the the two of the questions that really stood out there asked him. His answers said nothing. No. I mean, like, this was no. one of the biggest waste of time Just. press conferences I've ever listened Just. to. It's like, so, he yeah. doesn't know what he's getting into. He had no real answers. We, It's like... No. Okay, dude. He didn't want to make we, we're news not sure at all. What you're gonna didn't. do? Yeah, we'll talk to you again in a couple of months. Try to figure out something before then. Yeah. Make sure the women's uh, weight room at the women's final <laughs> yeah. four. Yes. Is just absolutely yes. like yeah, <laughs> yeah, sparkling. Yeah. Please. You know, get it. You mentioned that Dan. You mentioned the courts. Is one thing we didn't. We actually did have on our. Um, I failed to mention it on our prep for the show. The little prep that we do is the NLRB, <laughs> the labor, oh, the yeah. labor board, and the big decision last week. You know, I know people probably tired of like all these these court stories, and a lot of people don't want to read them. But we are getting closer and closer to um, the the big story, which will be college athletes deemed employees. Uh, and, and what yeah. happened last week was 
the labor board, um, National Labor Board decided to pursue charges against the Pac-12 and the NCAA, and specifically USC, because the labor board only oversees and controls private schools. They pursued, they're, they're pursuing charges and investigating those three entities, most notably the NCAA, uh, for for being basically for for unfair labor practices. I think is what the exact charge is, and um, you know, I, I there's a feeling that the administrative law judge will rule in the coming months that athletes are college athletes are employees. Now it can be appealed, so we're still at least a year, probably it seems like away from something, but this thing could be headed back toward the Supreme Court. And if it gets there, you know, you know, we just saw what the Supreme Court ruled in Austin, you know, uh, a unanimous nine, nothing NCAA loss. It'll be a massive, massive moment. I was, it's almost too complicated to bring up. Uh, we'll, we'll yeah. discuss it certainly this off season though. They become employees. It's a game change for the entire, all of college athletics. Cause yeah. it's just, it's not just football and all that. And, uh, you know, I see the argument, but I I kind of like how college sports operates. I, I feel a lot I feel a lot less um, in favor of it or, or sympathetic to it now that you can make money if you're really good. Right. So yeah, I Pat, I wanted to bring this up quickly uh, yeah. before we go. You you pointed this out. Arby's is allegedly <laughs> selling Arby's wrapping paper for your Christmas gifts. Arby's. Uh, are you seemed excited about should everyone on the 40 christmas list expect an arby's wrapping paper i have now i've looked it up there's something called the arby's shop (laughs) for 1850 on sale down from 2295 you can not only get arby's wrapping paper which appears to have like a Kind of a, you know, a piles of roast beef oh and cheddar God, sort yeah. of sandwich I, I just thing. Mm-hmm. This is but the real kicker is <laughs> it is allegedly smoke scented. Oh, come so on. You get, you get, get the here. meat. Get you get the meat here. to look at and you get the meat to smell wow. under your tree. I've wow. got to get some of this. <laughs> I, I need it badly. Wow. I, my my two sons who are coming I'm home. Get. This is better yeah, than any absolutely. gift I'm going to get. Yeah. We just, you know what? Just send us all a roll of the paper. We will, we'll just hold it and smell it. Amazing. That'd be fine. Yeah. Arby's no, sent it. How much for Pusha T to come sing Christmas carols? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I don't have a price for that, but like he should have a cameo account to he do that. Should. Sure. I I yeah. would pay Pusha. I would pay a cameo account of Pusha T singing like, you know, Holy Night, you know, to me. <laughs> Or something like that. I would absolutely <laughs> give me some. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, great idea. Let's do it. Make uh, it happen. Our artist of the year, Pusha T. Uh, all right. Finally, uh, this uh, came out. Jay Arnold, who is a uh, former Texas A&M defensive lineman, uh, he's looking for a job in coaching. He wants to get into coaching, according to him. Uh, he sent out a, a a viral tweet over the weekend that I think should get land him a a coaching job. Jay Arnold, former player, so he knows how to play a And M. Got some Texas recruiting ties. Somebody hire Jay Arnold because this is a man of great thought. Here is his tweet: Taco Bell is the only fast food place I roll up to with no ordering game plan. 
I just <laughs> let the menu speak to me. <laughs> the bell will tell me what I need. <laughs> My mouth may be moving, but I am just the instrument of a supreme design. Oh, okay. So Jay Arnold, I, this is some deep thoughts. Like this is the kind of guy, this is the leadership in the world. We need to our young men playing football. He just rolls up to Taco Bell and, and I started thinking about it and I don't go to Taco Bell very often, but I agree. Like, yeah. I, 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 you yeah. go and you sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go into Popeye's. I'm going to get the chicken sandwich or right. I am going to McDonald's. I am getting the egg McMuffin. Right. Taco Bell, you just get there and go, ah, yeah, throw me one of them, one of them. Probably because every one of them is exactly the same. Yeah. But right, right. Is this the this the deepest thought a football person has had all year? I think Jay Arnold. Thoughts on Jay Arnold's Taco Bell game plan, which is no game plan. It's uh, you know what I I, I totally agree because yeah I may be a two or three times a year Taco Bell guy, but yeah, you cannot really just go in and say. I'm having the cheesy gordita crunch, and I'm having the burrito supreme, and the nachos bel grande. It's 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 the the menu is so overwhelming. And I yes, to your point, Dan, it's all the same ingredients and packaged in different ways, basically. Yeah, it is. But I yeah, I, there is no showing up to Taco Bell and and, and having a a set uh, regimen. You got you got to be flexible. I disagree. I used to eat Taco Bell at least once a week. During my high school days, which I can't imagine doing that now, uh, my my stomach is hurting just thinking about that. And like, yeah. Anyway, and I used to go in and get the same thing every time. It was really? a Mexican. I was getting a Mexican pizza. I was getting a Mexi milk, and I was getting uh, the Supreme Beef Chalupa. And that was those were my those are my go to. Well, all right. I let it speak to me. I agree. Yeah. It, it 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 says something, man. All right, finally, uh, finally, finally, we have a quick request for Sean, producer Sean. Out of nowhere, uh, a young man named Johnny Cornelius, who is a offensive tackle for Rhode Island URI, mm. uh-huh. uh, has become one of the hottest transfer portal players in the country. He has set a commitment date. He is choosing between Ohio State, Tennessee, Oregon, and Nebraska. Everybody wow. wants this kid. Sean, did you play with him? I did not, but I got very good uh, intel on AJ. Okay, Cornelius. what is it? Is he good? Well, when he first rolled up, there was a, uh, I, I think it was my first year out, and I was still keeping in contact with some of the uh, other offensive linemen that I knew there. And uh, I mean, there was still, I mean, there was a, a Evan Lovell tra- transferred to Texas State. Uh, Nick Correa was uh, all, like all team uh, Northeast. Uh, so there were some good dudes on that offensive line that were they're taking over their regime and, and and we consistently had good offensive line like Kyle Murphy went uh played with the Giants for a couple of years but uh when I was talking to him they're like you know I'm, I'm messing around like who's wearing 65 now they're like dude it's this guy AJ he's the real <laughs> yeah. deal when he was a freshman it was all covid year stuff so I I didn't I uh, I wasn't super familiar and then the tape shows I'm like oh well, his feet are great. His hands are great. He has the frame. Uh, and then they, they even built him out still at Rhode Island. So if he goes to a bigger strength program, they'll build him out even more. He, he's got the mindset. But as soon as he walked in on, on campus, they were like, yeah, this guy is uh, – he, he's a dude. So And that, mm. that's coming from guys that, that are dudes themselves. So he's a, uh, a very uh, impressive prospect to come out of Rhodey. All right. 
There you URI go. Good enter- breakdown. URI enters the chat. He's from Harlem and went to uh, Archbishop Stepanak up in Westchester County, better known for basketball. Yep. But uh, so that's it. Uh, so there you go. URI. Good. Good hey, job. That's, we'll, get to, we'll have to get Sean's FCS championship peak, le, pick later in the week, too. Many years ago, my father went to Archbishop Stepanak. So I'll have to have, he, maybe he's got some, maybe he's got some connections there. Find out some. <laughs> <laughs> he got excited when they started getting Duke basketball players and stuff from Stepanak. All really? of a sudden, he, yeah, yeah. I don't know how good they were when he was there. All right, that's our show. Because when we're down to Rhode Island recruiting transfer portal, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're done. Uh, we're done. Yeah. We're out of topics. Peace out. Officially out. <laughs> We'll be back Wednesday. We will do a signing day show. We're hoping for some mayhem. Dylan Rioli is the biggest news this year. 2024, number one player in the country. Quarterback, decommitted from Ohio State this week. Maybe headed to Nebraska, where his family, his uncle works, and his dad was a legend. And uh, that would be huge, but that's a year away. Um, but we will do some signing day craziness on Wednesday, and we'll be back for uh, Bull Bonanza later, maybe next week, whatever. But we will uh, keep subscribing and listening. Talk to you later.